0: Shut up, and sit down. I say new Heimerdinger. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. (laughs) Especially, yeah. Especially that guy.
0: I I like Heimerdinger. That's another... I like the (laughs) Yoda. Welcome to PopCraft, where we'll autopsy the screenplays behind your favorite films and TV shows. I'm your host, Carl Albert, and I'm here today with Chasey Ridgely again, and Caroline Putz. How are you guys doing?
1: Again? Come on, Carl. Yes, it's me, Chasey. Um, screenwriter and uh, agility enthusiast. Dog agility. No, fuck You'd even
0: prepared it beforehand. I did.
1: I did. Dog agility enthusiast. That is how I'm describing myself today.
2: Um, I'm Caroline. This is only my second time being on this podcast because some are more favored than others. But I am, you know, still a writer and I didn't prepare anything else because, again,
0: it's
1: definitely a competition.
0: It's only my second time. Yeah, didn't Next you know you're, you're auditioning to appear on the podcast again? That's why Chasey got to come on, is because she came prepared as a dog agility enthusiast.
2: That's just rude.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so today we're going to talk about Arcane, which really blew up in the last uh, couple months. Has it only been too much since it came out? Uh, yeah, COVID it's, not, time been, it's is... not been long. Yeah, yeah,
2: I watched it and then I rewatched it over Thanksgiving with my sister. So it's been a couple months.
1: Oh, so before Thanksgiving. Right? Yeah,
2: so it's been a couple of months. Yeah.
1: Wow. Damn. Blink of an eye. <laughs> I,
0: yeah, I watched it in spurts. So I actually just finished it, um, which is why I was like, you guys should come and talk with me about it. But anyway, here we are.
1: That's really weird because I watched it. I was planning on going out with my roommate like in about two hours from when I sat down, I was waiting for it to be acceptable time to go to the bar. And then I sat down to watch the first episode, and then he joined me. We rewatched the first episode, and we watched five episodes straight and didn't go out. <laughs> and then the next time we sat down, which was like three days later, we watched the rest of it. See, that was my viewing experience. Yeah,
2: mine was quite similar because I watched the first. Th- they released it in three episode chunks, so I watched it the first three episodes because they were the ones that were out and ended on that cliffhanger at the end of the third one and was like well that's it okay and then went about my like weeks and then heard that the rest of them had all come out in the time that since i'd watched and so then i sat down and watched the next like six episodes all in mostly one sitting yikes
1: <laughs>
0: wow
2: Yeah. it was a couple it's sittings but an emotional roller coaster it was wild so i definitely like hold the first three in my head as separate from the second mm. six which makes sense i think yeah
0: they're definitely a, a- yeah. Sort of separate arc in a way. Yeah. Um, and we'll get into kind of the structure of the show in just a second. Um, just as a heads up, there will be full spoilers for all nine episodes. Just go watch it. I mean, everyone on the internet is, has been talking about this show. And yeah, then let's jump right into that sort of three-episode clump because as we all briefly discussed before we hopped on the pod, it kind of has a three-act structure seated in to a larger three-act structure which I thought was really interesting. Like, I definitely think the nine episodes falls into sort of a larger three-act structure that I argued was following Jinx's arc, that Jinx really was kind of the focus of the structure, her emotional journey, more so than Vi, who I would argue is probably the protagonist, certainly kind of the POV character for much of the show. I mean, where do you guys want to start with the first three then?
1: I mean, we can talk about the first three mostly because I do agree that they kind of... Even if you didn't watch them way separate from the others, they're definitely their own thing in mm-hmm. establishing the issue of the series. Mm-hmm. And I do think what it serves as is a really good grounding point to make you care about these characters before you see them as older. Yeah. I was going to say adults, but they're still not adults. So
2: Yeah, especially the sisters. I mean, it's like revolving that around these two and their relationship, I think, is important. And it's interesting. I don't know, based on, like, the source material, which we can also talk about, are, like, these characters, like, meant to be sisters originally? Or is... I don't actually think so. Okay.
0: Oh, really? Mm-mm.
1: I mean, I might be completely wrong, um, but I don't really recall them being sisters in the source material.
0: Interesting. Okay.
2: Yeah, as you can... Listeners can probably tell we are not well versed in the source material, which is League, League of Legends. <laughs> yeah, League
0: of Legends, the game. Never played it. I know a bunch of people who have, and I know nothing about it. I just knew know nothing it's going in.
2: Super popular, like esports level. Yeah,
0: popular. Oh yeah. Um. There's yeah. There's a whole industry like right. built around just competitive League of Legends play. It's weird. It's wild, and it's interesting that they chose Netflix chose to adapt this. Uh, but I mean, I guess they'd had experience with it because they did dota dragon's blood which is another big sort of esports game i believe and then the witcher and is
1: a video game it was a book series
0: a... though oh really? which is what they're yep. adapting yeah but the, they're adapting oh. the books i actually have three of them right over there Uh, But the
1: video games
2: made it popular in the U.S., I would say. It wouldn't have become a series if not for the video games. Definitely.
0: And then Castlevania was another Mm. kind of big notable one, which I'm really fond of.
1: Okay, so I was wrong. They are canonically sisters of the League of Legends world. Okay. And also canonically arch enemies. I think a lot about the opening titles of the show um, because I'm kind of really into that kind of thing. And I think it can tell you a lot about the series. It ends on seeing Vi and Jinx kind of in, like, a sparring position before you even know who they are. And it's their older forms, too, so, like, you can't even really tell. Especially because they give us a little bit of a, a detour because they gave Caitlyn blue hair, too. <laughs> to the point where my grandmother could not tell the two apart. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know,
0: it's fine. Um, rewinding to act one of the show,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, literally released as such, their origin story, Vi and uh, Jinx is I, yeah, I think, let's just kind of walk through the structure, I think, of it uh, a bit. The Because the inciting incident of the whole thing happens very early on. Like They open up with it, with them trying to rob the what inevitably becomes the Hextech, the little jewel, the magic jewel that blows mm-hmm. up. And that sets them on their whole adventure, basically. Uh, well, it's
1: interesting because I think each episode serves as kind of a little bit of an origin story for everyone like uh, it gives you a little teaser flashback of like what they were before what they were up to maybe a little bit um and the second episode is jace the second episode starts with him as a child and Mm -hmm. seeing magic for the first time and us learning you know what really kind of went on with his reasoning to create this stuff or try and i think it's interesting to kind of give us complete pov into the underworld Mm -hmm. giving us um you know the underdog's point of view in the first episode In the first episode right um and see like what exactly the stakes are with that Mm -hmm. and then immediately tell us okay who they stole this from who and now he's literally on trial to maybe be banished yeah i like what they did
2: i liked that the first episode was
1: just like just them
2: the undercity just the two like the main characters mostly and like that backstory before going into the rest of it it's like an example of not even starting small because obviously they introduced like a lot of the world in the first episode, but definitely doing like section by section. It is um, a
1: really good example of yeah. that because if you think about the series, like how what would the series be like if we started with Vi getting out of prison? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. Like what would like what would the series be like if we didn't actually get to know Milo and Clagger, mm-hmm. and then like and Vander even, mm-hmm. um, and kind of see like what. Happens in the first three episodes. Like, what if it was just all talked about, as opposed to actually just like seeing it? Because I feel like we're told to get in super late and you know as late as possible, and then get out as early as possible when you're writing something. And this is a good example of not doing that. I think, and in a way that actually works.
0: Yeah, I mean that's an interesting point, and I definitely think they had the benefit as a nine episode series as opposed to a movie to see their childhood more not just in like quick flashbacks and i think that definitely helped the characters in the general arc of the show a lot and like we said kind of works out as a mini 3 X structure within the first act of the larger story and yeah i mean i think the only other way you could really do it is to like kind of play with time and intersperse it throughout the whole show but that probably wouldn't have worked as well with kind of the pulpy action forward nature of the show uh it definitely it, it adds i mean i think one of the things that the the weak points of the show is that there are certain relationships that are not as developed or we don't see, you know, grow as much. Like actually talking about the flashback, there is um, towards the end of the, the second act of the show, uh, Echo and Jinx have their big showdown. Um, I guess that's actually episode seven. Um, so maybe yes. the start of the third act, but it's supposed to be this like big dramatic thing, but like we like never saw them interact in the first act of the show. And so to me that the emotionality of that fell a little flat, but compared to then like, you know, Vi and like Jinx's relationship, which is so well developed and so well set up that like every scene with them, it is like really riveting and powerful. And I, and I think that kind of, it's interesting that I I felt like one of the show's greatest strengths, like the, the relationships it built up early on and the time it spent getting us to care about the characters as kids before we see them in the main thrust of the plot as adults kind of falls flat also uh sometimes
2: yeah i think that's interesting because when i was watching that just speaking to that one part of echo and jinx like to me that showdown wasn't necessarily just about them as much as it was about like what they representative of what they had both become starting in like a very similar position mm-hmm. do you know what i mean right. like um they both
1: it wasn't about who they were to each other but more just like the symbolism what they did mm-hmm. with their positioning after the tragedy of what happened in the beginning right. of this of the series, I think.
2: Yeah, because they were both so young um, at the start and went completely different routes.
1: And both saw, like, a father figure killed in front of them. Mm-hmm. Right. Both were left with basically nothing. Yeah. Well, I guess Jinx was left with a little bit more than Echo was, considering cause Cause she, she was taken in by Silco. Yeah, yeah
0: Echo jack shit. I did, it's interesting, because I, I felt like Echo was conceptually a character... I was really intrigued by but i didn't feel like he necessarily got as much development he didn't yeah I um agree. he just like we just didn't get to see as much time of like him with his relationships and like the firelights and we started to get like hints of that right in the last couple episodes where heimerdinger goes down there but it's just like there wasn't enough time and i mean i guess this is only the first season of a show that theoretically you could keep going they
2: do have another
0: order i'm pretty they sure they have that, yeah. they did get a season two i'm one. pretty yeah. sure okay. yeah okay. yeah i mean it's been huge i'd be shocked if they didn't But yeah, Echo is a character who I like. I mean, what an amazing design, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I just didn't feel like quite met, you know, the the high watermark that uh, some of the other characters did. Mm -hmm. So getting back to the first act, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) just rewinding all the way, I want to specifically talk about how it also functions. So within the mini arc of it, Mm -hmm. it has the three acts where they steal the Hextech, and then that starts not only their journey, or not the Hextech, but what will become the Hextech. That starts the sister's journeys as well as Jace's journeys. And they're kind of, I would say, the three main characters that you follow throughout the show. And so you see Jace having to, like, come up because now his innovation has been discovered. And he has to really struggle to get funding or, or to, to like, create Hextech. And he inevitably does. Uh, but that's really sort of his arc in the first few episodes. And then... The sisters now um, get thrown into conflict with Silco, which leads to, uh, and then, you know, the cops coming down on them and sort of all of these forces coming together, miniature version of the larger story, where you have topsiders, cops from Piltover, Piltover's the name, right?
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, coming down and like raiding them and abusing their power. And you see the conflict between the different uh, factions there as well as, uh, you know, with Silco and his gang of criminals, and then the sisters who were sort of caught in the middle of it all, and uh, their father figure, whose name is... Vander. Vander, who's a great character. I like Vander a lot. You see that play out as sort of a movie, almost, their origin story, and then at the end of that, you have what I would argue is, like, the real inciting incident of the whole show, which is... His death. Yeah, Enders. and yeah. I and I think specifically the explosion, the explosion yeah. that yeah. Jinx causes, mm-hmm. that you know leads to Vi temporarily rejecting her and then getting arrested, and then Vi, uh, Powder, who becomes Jinx, you know, interacting with Silco and being left with no one but Silco, who brings her in and you know she's now deeply traumatized and yeah. presumably goes schizophrenic and like when she ages you know, for those genes to awaken, mm-hmm. it's interesting. I think that it's sort of the way that they have that sort of mini arc within the larger arc to set up the whole story. Is you know? kind
1: of what exactly happens in the whole
0: series. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like if
1: we think about those final moments from episode three to episode nine, like, they're very, very similar. Right. Um, it's once again by choosing that's in air quotes, Uh, (laughs) someone over Jinx from Jinx's point of view. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Jinx lashing out and uh, went through violence, basically. Mm -hmm. But I guess the first one was an
0: accident. In her own way, Jinx's acts at the end, the very end of the season and in episode three are in parallel where she kind of thinks she's helping in a fucked up way Mm -hmm. you know like that's powder's whole deal it's like before she's even gone bad she's just like trying to help but she like keeps fucking up Mm -hmm. and i mean she can't help it she's a little girl with weirdly destructive capabilities like can create (laughs) bombs but
1: and a keen eye for shooting guns
0: yeah and then she decides to fucking nuke the senate basically and at the end of it it's what yeah, a cliffhanger was, to end on. I did not expect that to be where they ended. That
2: was wild. Wow. I didn't expect the first one either, though, because, like, so I'm watching this having, you know, no idea what these characters are. Like, I don't know the older versions, right? So I don't know that we're going to jump time necessarily in that way that we did. So I'm watching, like, the first two episodes, and I get to the end of the second episode, which is when Vi, Vi is gonna like going to turn herself in, which is, for all intents and purposes, like, that like end of the second act in a movie you know and I was like wait I had no idea that this was going to happen so quickly so soon I thought we were going to go down a whole different path of like starting the war like with all you know and we were going to see it play out sort of like that and then watching the third episode I thought that the big explosion when I was first watching it because I'm like you know trained as like a television watcher I was like this is like in her head or like this is like you know um, well you know for a brief second you know like I'm almost like oh my gosh this could be like what could one of those like what could have happened scenes oh, like right. but she didn't do that. Um, right. But then, you know, like Milo and Clagger died and I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. You know, like that was nuts. That was, yeah, like a big climactic end of a movie sort of deal, a mini movie. And like, where do we go from here now? But it was just interesting because it could have gone from like a viewer's perspective so differently, at least for me. Um, watching the very beginning and then to see it like really just you know wrap up those like that trilogy and then jump into the next one like s- skip all those years yeah it was I mean it was a good first act
0: I struggled with the middle three episodes the most for a long time I thought they were too slowly paced but I don't think that's it at all I actually think in some ways they're maybe too fast paced and certain relationships don't get as much development as I want but I also think part of it I just realized now as you were talking about it is we had this enormous climax at the end of episode three. And then to suddenly like,
1: mm. we don't even see why until the end back. of episode. Right.
0: Yeah, it's like suddenly we're, we're, completely changing gears, having an enormous time skip. And I think that like sort of gave me this weird, like so whiplash. Like, whiplash yeah. I got whiplash <laughs> where I, I, just like, it threw me out of the, the series for a second. I had to kind of like ease uh, our way back in. And you know, it's interesting too, because it really is like kind of their starting over mm-hmm. in act yeah. two is like, they have to reestablish where is the world now? What are the characters relationships right. now? And some of that's in parallel. So they don't have to do as much work as they did in the first three episodes, but there's still a lot of like, what, you changed. know, what's tech yeah. now, you know, and all that.
2: It's funny though. Cause I, I mean, I loved the switch. I'm a big, anyone who knows me knows I love beginnings. Um, <laughs> so getting a whole other like beginning of a movie set up also like the second section, like, episodes four, five, and six, I don't know, like all of a sudden it was what I almost not expected to see, but it played into a lot of the things that I think if I was talking to very like elitist film and television people, I would call it a guilty pleasure. But I think it's just, you know, (laughs) it's fun because like it leans into like the melodrama. It leans into being sexy. It leans into like just overall being outrageous in like an exciting way. So, I was very into the second section or yes, yeah,
0: second episode. <laughs> I mean, it definitely just goes to show the range of like people's tastes and how much like things that are totally beyond our control influence our perception of different series. I also talked about again another tangent. Um <laughs> there're going to be a lot of those I went in and ultimately felt kind of disappointed by the show because I had heard it was like, oh, it's a masterpiece. It's like the greatest show around. Like everyone I knew was raving about it. And so I went in with these unfairly high expectations that the show really just was never going to meet. With Mm. the exception of the animation, which I thought was just like next level, like into the Spider-Verse level, blowing my fucking brain. It is interesting how much of our like sort of reaction to... Stories is like so far like out of our control, and is so f- much based on like our expectations and our own taste, and like yeah. you know, even the slightest little details can have a dramatic impact on yeah. how we react to something.
2: I am also not like a critical watcher.
0: Like i'll I'll be critical after, this.
2: like right now we're sitting down, like we're gonna talking about like what was confusing, what we didn't like, you know, um, what didn't land, or like what was like not working. But while I am watching something, I am wholly just into watching it. Yeah. If I am thinking about like what I like and don't like about it while I'm watching it and like structure like fuck no. I'm not. Like that <laughs> sucks. It sucks. So It takes away it, a lot of the fun. So if it's fun to watch which this was because it was like visually stunning like the voice acting was great. It was just upbeat and you know wild then I w- like wanted to have a good time watching it and I did. So I um, feel like
1: I mean the thing that determines whether or not I like something and I like watching it is investing in the characters and if we're talking about the effectiveness of the show as a whole, like, mm. the first three episodes do that for you. They get you invest- 100%. They get you invested in the characters and they kill half of them. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, yeah. okay, shit. Yeah. What is happening after this? And I, I do agree that the second, the second part definitely gets, like, a bit of a slow start. Like, we don't even see Vi, who is our main, one of our main characters until the end of it. And... Yeah, the
2: whole yeah. time me watching episode four, I was like, "Where the? Yeah, yeah, yeah. is. You're, like, <laughs> you're
1: waiting for her to show up. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's it's less it's less a whole new movie. It's like it's like the beginning of season two, yeah, of a TV show, right? And you you just left your your favorite character who you got invested in, like in a very bad spot, and then now you're like, okay, where where is she? Like, is she dead? Is she like, what is she up to? And getting invested in the characters is what's important to me as Mm. both a writer and someone who watches television yeah and I think people who I've heard who've struggled with the show like it's because they don't care about the kids and it's like and that's kind of like they've been like oh I watched the first two episodes and I like I wasn't into it and like for me I'm like how could you ever not be into it but then I think about like yeah I mean it is a slow start because like it's three episodes of the first 15 minutes of a movie.
0: Right. And it, it I, I maybe mean. 30. Maybe 30.
1: Gonna say, I was going to say, I, I think it. it's maybe the first act of a movie. But. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> and episode three definitely just like. I feel like you at least got to give it to episode three because episode yeah, three exactly. goes nuts. Yeah,
2: because they have exactly. no idea what to expect before you get to episode three. Like, episode three is just one big. If
1: someone tells me me they've watched episode three and they're still not into it, I'm like, well, you're probably not going to be into this. Yeah, (laughs) it's just
0: it's not your taste at all. Yeah, I think you kind of point out a lot of what I think act ones just fundamentally are about. Is like we tend to talk about them just like their setup, but what that like means in more specific terms is like make the audience care about your characters and give them like a plot hook and Mm -hmm. set up whatever world building you need to do, and that that goes for anything from like set up the world building of a high school if it's a coming of age movie to you know this weird steampunk fantasy world and i do think they do that really well in the first three episodes and i mean i think they're just structurally just like a, a great example of act one's done right
2: yeah and the other thing that was just on the subject of characters i think that because um, i read a lot of scripts and my Oh, do you? Do you read all the scripts? Oh well, not like for no, I, I wish like I was that. reading scripts I liked, let's just say that. <laughs> but um I read a lot of scripts and it's like I feel like either people don't wanna do this because they're worried, but I don't think tropes are always a bad thing when it comes to like establishing characters and stuff. Um, especially with like the relationships, like the surrogate father and like competitive sister, like, you know, all of those sort of things that their tropes for a reason and that in like a good sense and I think that leaning into that even though it might be a little familiar in this sense was well done
0: yeah no I I agree I think they I mean the show definitely revels in a lot of archetypes and Mm -hmm. I mean I think it shines the brightest when it takes those and develops them further and I don't think it does a ton of sort of subverting them, but no. I think it develops them really well and kind of gives them depth. You know, you, you look at even Vi, who I think kind of falls into a lot of sort of tropes nowadays, um, but is like a really compelling lead character. Yeah, as definitely not to subverting Jace, a lot. who I know oh. me, at least you uh, and I, Jace, yeah, not 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 a big Jace fan. I will Boring.
1: Say, <laughs> I mean, on the topic of subverting or doing that, I I do think. I would say Jinx is probably the only one I would say that genuinely is subverting the trope that she falls into. Mostly just because we do get a very clear glimpse into her head in a way that like crazy characters who are written off like this do not. Like, that was also
2: in quotes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um But like, you know, she's 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 a she's a teenage girl joker. You know right. what I mean? Like but like She's not just doing it for the fuck of it all. She's literally just insane. And like, she's having to deal with that and like go through that. And we're seeing in the ways in which it's impacting her through the animation, which is such a beautiful and wonderful detail. I think that's what yeah. calls yes. back to like, we were talking about uh, Spider Man. What is it called? Into the Spider Verse. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that using using the medium to tell the story like if this was a live action tv show it would be very difficult to fully give us the breath of like jinx's mental illness and like what she's dealing with and i yeah. think you know it's it's hard to write her off because she's just a little girl mm-hmm. like she's just a little girl who's trying to help
0: i think that is the big before. difference between her and like harley quinn for example yeah but i think mm-hmm. is the other character i can think of who actually is well developed and sort of the similar Uh archetype yeah Um, because you're right a lot of times they're kind of just like hench people who get written off and like are two-dimensional you know the thing that makes jinx unique is that she's kind of a little girl deep down like she's the little girl afraid of being abandoned up until like the very end of the story Mm -hmm. and it is it makes her extremely compelling and tragic and i think you know she's my favorite character uh, I don't I don't know about y'all, but I... You're not going to like more. my favorite character. <laughs>
2: um,
1: but let's talk about Jace. <laughs>
2: yeah, let's talk about how we don't like Jace as a trope.
1: Pretty boy. Pretty boy. Well, I,
0: I, I could even is. get on board. I I was a little underwhelmed and I was like, okay, you're making the, like, sciencey dude, like, also extremely sexy. I was like, okay, <laughs> like, that's a little CW of you, but okay. Uh,
2: well, but, I but, mean, I think everyone on this show is meant to be,
0: like...
1: Pretty, Pretty. I, think, I don't know,
0: except the bad guys. Yeah, I that was actually a trope I felt was a problem is that all of the oh, like, my God, yeah. ugly or like disabled characters were like yes. really they've got hooked villainous. noses, yes. they've
1: got darker skin, yeah, like um, it's, missing there's, limbs. There's, yeah, there's a, there's a, a lot of issues in, in that in that case, but I think I thought the direction that they were leaning with uh, Jace. And ultimately Jace and Victor as a as a unit was that Jace would be the face of it all, which he is, but only because Victor is dying. You know what I mean? It's right. not like Victor's the brains behind it and is the face, which I think is a common trope that we see. Mm, right. um, and, you know, some of my favorite TV shows have fallen into that trope. But they they gave Jace really everything in that relationship. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, are taking the sick and dying crippled man and probably making him into a villain.
0: I wish they would have rewritten it somewhat and had jace be the one who kind of goes mad scientist because his character's set up to do that like he's like i'm pursuing this you know, this science magic. Like, that magic, would be really believe, cool. Right, and you, know, you take, like, the handsome and then, one and, like, completely, you would surprise yeah. the audience. I mean like, throw him underground, term, yeah. he
1: becomes a bad guy, yes. he links up with whoever, and then Victor so is suddenly the face of Hextech.
0: Right. And yeah. he's the
1: good one, he hasn't been in the spotlight this whole time, and he has to struggle with that. Like, I think that would have definitely been, been super cool. compelling.
2: I also liked Jace most when it was leaning into, like, that he was doing this for, the like, it took over, um him just wanting to make Hextech when he befriended Victor and, like, yeah. was trying to fix, like, help him, like, make him, like, heal him and everything. It became,
1: it, I mean, capitalism corrupts, but... Um, <laughs> True. But, but, yeah. He was
2: best then, and, like, if we their had taken it... Their relationship. Their relationship, and even taking that a step further, like, we were just talking about, I think, would have been cool, too, like, to make it drive him to, you know, become, like, even more obsessive. But it was just unfortunate because then even... The Victor storyline of him, like, towards the end, like, it lost me there. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah. it with, lost Like, me him too. messing with the hex core and the influence of organic matter was the thing. And also the shimmer drug. Right. Was, yeah. like, all just, all it was was shots of this thing, like, being in a blob, very like, ominous, glowing. Yeah. And I didn't understand the developments a ton. Like, how it was, like... Wanting more, or how it was corrupting. I really was not following that.
0: Yeah, you can look at uh, an example of that sort of magical corruption done really well in The Lord of the Rings. It's like they have, you know, an example to point to, and it was still sort of done in a way where it was like it was kind of hard to follow. It was mm-hmm. like tough to tell, like how much of the shimmer is actively influencing their decisions. Like I couldn't tell that with Jinx. Is this driving her further towards darkness? You know, that's kind of a trope, so that's what I thought. But then there were times where it was like, oh victor's fine like it's not actually affecting him. it can physically stop like him, is this a drug or not... is this
1: like something a little bit more than a drug right like, we it, don't really know it
0: was it was a little tough to follow yeah that.
2: and then the hex core was kind of sentient too in a weird way yeah i,
0: it, I think it was fully revealed as that at, by yeah. the end. it was sentient but
2: i didn't get it how why the drug helped with that i don't know yeah. i don't know that yeah. was a, that lost me. it was a little
0: <laughs> underdeveloped there yeah and, and i think the climax of victor's are. i was i really liked victor at first, I and I, I yeah. really dug, I mean, just that archetype ap- appeals to me. I, I will admit is kind of like the sickly scientists, like trying to cure themselves. But then like the big climax for him was that he accidentally killed some character who he'd like seen in like two scenes, you know, that I, again, who I mm-hmm. don't know if you guys could name, like I can't name her. Well, I mean, It's about... like, it just has no impact. It's like, oh, you dusted some rando, you know, and okay. it's supposed to be the big like turning point in your character journey
1: there could have been so many more ways to make that like stronger like make her someone who instead of just having a crush on victor that we were told about minutes before she died (laughs) make her someone that like is as important to victor as mel is to jace
0: yes or uh, or have
1: jace be the one who gets hurt yeah yeah
0: something like that like someone who I say nuke Heimerdinger. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) Especially, yeah. Especially that guy. Um, I I
0: like Heimerdinger. That's another... I like Yoda. What can I say? (laughs) Yeah. I dig Yoda. Uh
1: Uh-huh.
0: And if you fucking nuke Yoda and he ended up being right, that it's like you're going too far, it's like, oh, it's the perfect perfect. person. The dramatic irony there is great. Exactly. You know, but they... For League of Legends reasons, I imagine didn't want to kill Heimerdinger.
2: Is he a champion too? I have no idea, but I just, I suspect he's important. A little like Pomeranian man.
0: (laughs) He is. He's so cute and also just delightful. I like Heimerdinger, even when I think he's being a self-righteous twat.
2: When he yeah, first walked he, on screen, he is though, a champion, you guys. Oh wow. Hell when he yeah, first he walked is. on screen, I was like, There's no way. Like we can't take this seriously. And then they all took him
0: seriously, and I was like, Okay. <laughs> <I> <laughs> all love right. That guy. I loved it though. Like that was great. So I'm gonna lasso us back to I wanna talk about the structure of it a bit more. I kinda covered somehow like there's kind of two inciting incidents. Like there's the inciting incident for like the mini three arc structure, that is uh the origin story and then the inciting incident for Vi uh or not Vi uh jinx's arc and the show as a whole with the big explosion which certainly acts I think as a parallel I mean that's a great thing to do in your first act and your third act is parallel sort of the explosion there and uh in Zaun and then the big explosion at the end in Piltover as the climax mm-hmm. and I think the next sort of big plot point that we would point to in a 3x structure is the midpoint the midpoint really is for Jinx, uh, a turning point in her character arc, which, you know, that's typically what the midpoint is, often called the point of no return, where, like, a character makes a step on their journey from which they can't really come back from. And I think it's an understated scene in Arcane, but it's her baptism with Silco, where she really kind of... It's a, a way supposed to be about washing away all the powder and accepting who she is as Jinx. And I do think, even when you watch the rest of... The season that she's fully Jinx, you know, she kind of plays with Vi and is like, "Am I Jinx or my Powder?" But I think she knows she's Jinx, and she even says at the end, you know, that she's was waiting to see if Vi would love Jinx, would love her as even after she's that's changed, true. you know. Yeah. And so I think for her, that's kind of a big turning point, is that she like is coming to fully accept that she's Soko's daughter. She's yeah. embraced this role, this character.
2: I'll argue with you just a bit that I think she still wavers after that moment because she's
1: still trying to win.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Eli's affection. I, yeah, I, she's I do, trying
2: for Vi. Yeah. She's still unsure about Silco. Like that's the climax at the end is she thinks that Silco is right. going to turn her in. Like right. because she still isn't certain, you know? So I don't think it's for sure. Like, but right. I definitely think structurally it looks like a midpoint.
0: I I, no, I agree. I don't think it's like she's necessarily completed her arc. So much as it is, is like that's sort of the turning point for her where she's like fully kind of leaning into and being like, okay, like here I am working with Silco. She doesn't even know Vi's alive at that point. And mm-hmm. so I think for her, that's like Vi is really the thing that I think kind of mixes up her arc there and like mm-hmm. adds yes to the tension for her and further challenges her is like, okay, I'm Jinx. Silco loves me. We're cool. And then suddenly Vi's introduced and it's like, oh, fuck. Right. Yeah. I don't, you know, it was, was I, are we okay? Like, is everything I know a lie? Um, And that, you know, definitely propels her through the rest of the story. Should I kill my dad? (laughs) Yeah, should I kill dad number three? Yeah, true. In fact, losing father figures left and right Uh, that she kills, in fact, twice, basically. Mm. Well, that's fucked up.
1: Sometimes it shakes out that way. Sometimes,
2: sometimes it's just an accident you know yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're just yeah, trying yeah. to help and you and blow up your father
0: <laughs> you full rail gun your father because <laughs> he's sitting <laughs> in the chair did we mention Jace and what's her Mel? Mel Mel no we didn't know, talk like, about that yet that just like felt like it came out of nowhere And I didn't
2: think it came out of nowhere they like it, but...
0: like I don't know
2: but it just was not um, a pairing I was rooting for
0: didn't do it for me
1: Versus, I I think they, it felt like they just slept together because they're like, "eh, we're just hanging out." Right?
2: Yeah, but then they're like emotionally kind of
1: like, um, they're not emotionally connected whatsoever. It doesn't feel like no. But after that, they have a couple of scenes where they try to be.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh no! Clearly, yeah, I think it plays them off. Yeah, Yeah. like, oh, we're super invested in each other, and it's like but like why i mean that that was a tough thing for me in general with mel is i just felt like she wasn't fully developed and she was like weirdly starting to get there with her mom at the end but that came out of nowhere like her mom had nothing to do with the story like talk about throwing you know a plot point in a character in at the last second yet another motif is there
1: anything as i'm doing as a daughter um that is like (laughs) the whole premise of the show but i think that's what they were trying to do with mel is like show that she's kind of dealing with the same things that like Vi or Jinx might Mm. be dealing with but at the same time I agree it's completely felt it fell flat in that she really just felt like she was going either for or against Jace just as the story served it to be. It was
0: hard to like get a feel for what was motivating her and kind of why she was making a decision and certainly why she and Jace connected the way that they did
1: especially when victor was right there i know <laughs>
0: jason victor had way more chemistry just yeah tragic i mean it's always risky to try to throw in a character in like the third act of a story yeah. like that almost never works out like even the second half can be risky
2: are you talking about her, her mom her
0: mom yeah oh, yeah, yeah. That it's just, like, it, it's better to try to introduce any major threads, like, in the first half of the story.
1: I mean, I think what they're going for, potentially, is expanding the world in season two. Definitely. And expanding what trade means to Piltover and how that impacts it. Because, mm-hmm. presumably, the entire council plus the leader of uh, a whole different city, Mel's mom, are, are in the tower when Jinx fucking bombs it. I just
0: feel like you could have saved that for season two you know like her her mom didn't need to be there yeah like you could start the war if if her daughter gets fucking nuked like yeah
1: definitely that's reason enough
0: i why why do do we need her there it would have been a
1: really it would have been a really strong thing to start with
2: yeah true yeah to introduce that and go outside of like the world that we know from the first season But that, I mean, it
1: just also
2: begs the question for me, there's, like, a lot of the politics that I didn't understand of, like, where this, like, where Piltover stands with, like, the rest of the world, um, and how someone like Mel, who was the daughter of some leader from another nation, like...
1: Managed to get on the council of a whole different city. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Didn't understand where it sat globally, if it was, like, more of a, you know, where a bunch of different representatives of a bunch of different places. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know.
0: Yeah and we talked about before we came on how like how does their sort of economy function and like they were just going to give up zon you know at the end they all voted and it's like why like how are you okay with that is it just a symbolic thing that they lord over zon or is it like they seem to actually need them for mining things but has hex changed that it just was underwritten and like so the stakes weren't really clear with the politics i think that's actually a big reason why the politics for me at least didn't work as much as i just like couldn't like wrap my head around the stakes as much beyond obviously jace's like personal stakes and you know the Mm -hmm. tech development the hex tech development yeah
2: and we were seeing we were talking a little bit like the only time we see sort of like the economy functioning i guess in a way that's understandable is when we are in the factory that they raid but at the same time i'm pretty sure that was just one of silco's Silco owned like, yeah, factories for the, you know, the drug like Shimmer. Yeah, totally. Um, so still don't know what that has to do with um, Piltover.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it was definitely confusing. So I want to <laughs> go back to the three act structure again, because I, I, I want to, I feel like I actually don't talk about that um, enough on this podcast, sort of the specific beats. And I think it's something that we probably get tired of talking about as writers especially because in film school it's hammered so much into you at least at USC it was kind of the next major plot beat after the midpoint is the dark Knight of the soul and I think you know it kind of further highlights the point that three-act structures really meant a lot of the time to structure a character's emotional journey more than it is necessarily the plot itself and that the dark Knight of the soul for this show is definitely jinx thinking that uh, her sister Vi has abandoned her again and yeah. that she's 100% yes. left her and chosen another person, in this case, um, Caitlin. Caitlin, thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, that's another <laughs> character I just didn't connect to. And yeah, uh, that really, that sort of next emotional turning point, the next real emotional um, plot beat is for Jinx, her believing, you know, her her greatest fear, her worst fear that her sister really didn't care about her, and would choose someone else over her? Which then propels the entire story, because then she goes full psycho mode and tries to fucking start killing people.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um...
2: I'm trying to remember now where... That happens at the, yeah, at the end of 6. 6. Which is mm-hmm. when they finally reunite, and they have a moment where you think it's all going to be okay before she sees Caitlyn. And then it all gets... Um, a little more complicated because the, like, firelight's coming in and take her away. Once again, taking Vi away before she can explain the misunderstanding exactly. sort of right. deal. And mend yeah, yeah. her, you know, impulsive, because she's super impulsive. Her impulsive spur of the moment, whatever she said, whatever happened.
0: Um, it is interesting how much of Act 1 really parallels, uh, like, later plot events and the rest of the story in the mm-hmm. season. Specifically, you Caroline mentioned before we came on something that one of our professors said to you. Uh, what what? Oh, did you it was explain a, that? a yeah. term
2: that he liked to use called repetition with variance, which is basically when you set up a scene and like the example of it maybe was like a, a dinner scene or something in the beginning of a of a movie. Um, and then, if you do a dinner scene later in the movie when things have changed, it's just like a really um, strong way of calling back to like the origins of the story and showing what's different. And it's really impactful um, because we pick up on that, especially what like what isn't said. We still pick up on um, by using those sort of like visual things because I mean right. it is a visual medium and. They're powerful. So, I mean, this is more of like a the explosion, explosion sort of deal right. is, um, is more of a, I would say, oh my gosh, motif, um, I guess. I'm trying to think of a very specific instance where it was like one scene mirroring another. It would probably be like council scenes, I would say, were like a good, a good like example of that. Like um, using Vander, using the bar, like where Vander once sat versus versus where silco sits um those sort of deals it's just like uh using the same visuals in the image to convey yeah what's changed like what's different
0: it's definitely something i think you see a lot with like locations in Mm -hmm. stories exactly like the bar where like you'll cut to like you know you'll have an act one like oh this location is very happy and whatever you know the Main characters are children and literally in the show's case. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, later on in the story after like all the shits hit the fan, you go back to that location and it's like decrepit and worn down, you know, Mm -hmm. and really highlights how far things have fallen. You see it in
2: shots, too, like exactly how they structure sort of like if you see like everyone sitting around a table you know, everyone's sitting around the council table and you see it, like, again, maybe even a totally different group, but, like, sitting More the same missing. way. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, um, in the same um choreography, all of that plays into sort of, like, that idea.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's a, a great point that I, had, I hadn't heard that term. I definitely had heard, of, uh, or, like, knew about, you know. Yeah, it's just putting a name.
2: That, it's kind yeah. of putting a name, like, a technique to, to something idea, right? um, that...
1: We kind of already
2: do. We kind of already do a lot. um, But when you're picking apart these sort of uh, like writing techniques, it's sometimes helpful, um,
0: especially when you're
2: learning um, to have, um, yeah, something to, you know, um, learn from.
0: I think that's crucial, actually, having having names. That's definitely one of the things that I found most helpful about studying screenwriting is just being able to really think of things in a very concrete way where it's like you you may be as if you were – just casually like pick up on different you know we, we might call them tropes or whatever or like different ways of like telling a story but like having an actual like specific term to call out a thing I, I feel like helps make it feel more real at least in my brain um, and then easier when I'm like writing to sort of take advantage of that and put it down on the page mm-hmm. definitely um, yeah any, anything else about Arcane you guys want to talk about I
2: mean you didn't like the romance Carl yeah. I did. I didn't like any of the romances. I am honestly insulted. <laughs> you didn't <laughs> like Vi <buying> and Kate.
0: <laughs> I just I felt no chemistry and I just didn't I guess oh maybe cuz what? I it, it just felt like they their romance was challenged in like very superficial ways and I felt like they sort of fell in love with each other too quickly like they mm-hmm. they they seemed to care about each other a lot very fast literally is within like a 24 hour period and i just didn't necessarily feel like i don't know for me it just didn't feel earned like i i wanted the story to slow down and like kind of just sit with the characters and see them fall in love with each other some more i mean the same thing's true with jace and what's her fuck I, can, I can't remember <laughs> mel yeah that like i just like i just didn't believe it i just i didn't uh, you know emotionally feel them bonding that, in that, that one
2: way i did not vibe with did not care about them But I think the difference is for like Vi and Kate. I wasn't getting the sense that they're in love by the end of the season. Yeah, I I don't have that sense either. Yeah, I what I was seeing this as is, you know, they're flirting. It's cute. This isn't gonna work
1: but they're also in life or death situations right. in the span of 48 hours, like at least three of them.
2: Right. And then there's misunderstandings. Like the whole sure. point is that Jinx sees Kate and is, like, misunderstands what's happening there and right. thinks that Vi cares more, which is so not true because Vi cares way more about her sister yeah. than she does about someone she just met. And then it's con- like, it's such a conflict when in the like final scene where she, she kidnaps Kate, she kidnaps Vi, she kidnaps Sil- Silco, Jinx does. And says, like, well, me or her. And that's not the point. Because, like, Vi doesn't love this girl as much as she loves her sister. Right. But she totally doesn't want her to die. Because she's cute. For, right. me,
1: for me, it was it's less... It was less them falling in love than Caitlyn serving to show Vi that not all cops are bad. <laughs> which is probably, like, my... You could say My not the most all... upsetting part of the show, honestly, but like I think Caitlyn was just Vise bridge to understand that it is not so black and white with everything definitely. that's going on. Right. Definitely. and you could um, say it was. I think Caitlin... top-siders.
2: not all topsiders are bad, yeah, because yeah. I, think, I don't think that Caitlyn think... is acting like a cop in she's here anyway not either. She's like a
1: cop, no, she's, she's hiding behind the facade of a cop for sure, um, but she's definitely not acting like one, and I think. Caitlin definitely, I think, is canonically attracted and maybe, like, care, cares for Vi more than I would say Vi reciprocates that.
0: That's okay, like, interesting. Because
1: like, I agree with you that, like, Vi's priority is her sister. Yes. Like, through and through. To the point when Caitlin starts to jeopardize that, she leaves Caitlyn. Yes. Like, that. that's literally what happens in the story. Um, and Caitlin's just like, but what about
0: us? (laughs) Um, uh,
1: to to quote High School Musical. Um, and it's very, I don't know, interesting. Like, for me, like, as a queer woman, it's, they're one of the better written, like, queer storylines that I've seen in the last, like, five years, in that they're given, I, I disagree that they're not given enough time. Like, I think they're given the time and the weight that they should have been given, but, it's not necessarily, like, them falling in love with each other. I think that would have been way more explicit if they had had something like Mel and Jace had, which was an explicit sex scene or, like, mm-hmm. something... A kiss that really meant, like, this is what this relationship is. Because I, I don't think they're on the sa- same terms whatsoever with what their relationship is to each other.
2: Yeah, I mean, Vi wants hello revenge. Like, yeah. she doesn't want to just talk it out like Caitlyn does and then accept that they lost... She's going to go after she leaves Caitlyn and team up with Jace, which was also a weird, 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 weird side thing. Um, So she can, like, (laughs) punch and kill people with enormous enormous uh, yeah. Gauntlets. gauntlets. Yeah, um, that, the
0: entire plot line was just so she could get those fucking gauntlets. Right? Yeah. They didn't really even
1: explain Jace's, like, little hammer thing other than his family makes hammers. Yeah. And, like, that's, one his, of the little, tools. that's his little league of whatever the yeah. hell. Um, and also, I noticed um, while we were watching the pilot the other day, or I guess the second episode, in Jace's office or, like, in his childhood home when we see his mother who is not a character ever.
2: She just has the glove she's missing like a uh, two fingers.
1: Well, yes, but um <laughs> in one of the photos they have there's a family photo of his father who is never mentioned. <laughs> no. has that fucking hammer. Oh. oh yeah. Wow. Um so set design. I'm kind of on the more fandom side of things in which I've seen a lot of the writers are very forthright on Twitter and talking about specific choices and everything. Mm-hmm. And the thing about anima- animation is every single choice, specifically with Vi and Kate, was completely uh, intentional. Yeah. Like, um, you know, expressions, acting things out, like, moments between them. Like, like, there's so many moments where the writers have been like, the animators went, like, above and beyond with, like, getting... These expressions and these body, like the body language right. and stuff, like correct.
2: And you and we as the audience pick up on that. Like, there's a reason why by the time they're like outwardly, you know, flirting to each other, I've been like, oh, this has been we've been building. Like, I sense this way before we ever voiced it. You mm-hmm. know, um, and I do like seeing um, the relationships play out. I think, I mean, obviously not naturally because this is a very like fantastical world, but. Rather than just, like, longing looks and, like, oh, yeah. shit, we're together. More natural in the sense that there's, like, little pieces here and there. And, like, and still seeing them come to fruition. Like, like
1: unlike so much queer media, right. like, it will not be a surprise when they kiss. Yes. Completely. Like, it will not be a surprise. Like, it That's is. definitely
0: true. It yeah. is.
1: They, they already, like care for another, one another, like, very deeply, and they're already, like, very much high on each other's priority lists, mm-hmm. um, I do agree that it is fast-paced, and that the whole show is fast-paced, and a, lo- and a lot of things slip through the cracks, um, in a lot of different ways, I think, um, with, because of how fast-paced it is, mm-hmm. but, and
2: what are you gonna do? And, on what? the other side, in a lot of senses of past media, which was, like, anti-queer, mm-hmm. we would... Get all these vibes from characters, and they would never get together. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's not the case in this because it's a genuine feels right relationship or dynamic. And we do. I was satisfied that they were open about like where it stood. I think because in so many other things, like it would just be queer baiting.
0: Yeah, I yeah. I think honestly a big part of it too for me and why I didn't connect to it is because I just didn't care about Kate. Okay. Like, yeah. I, I eat, like from, from Act 1, I just... Like, I'd
1: like to state for the record that Caitlyn was my favorite character.
0: <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, I mean, that just goes to show the range of, like, taste. Because, like, I just... I don't know. She, for me, was like Jace, where I was like, I see what you're doing, and you're even, like, developing her, and I just don't care. And, I, you know, I, I have to really go back and rewatch it mm-hmm. to try to pin down why it is that I just didn't connect mm-hmm. to her. But I just... I just didn't, um, in, in the way that I connected, you know, a lot to the sibling story and, and maybe that was it. Maybe it was, you know, it came down to that. I was like, you're, you're pulling me away from the stuff that I, uh, Mm. really care about.
2: See, I think, I don't know, maybe it was just because I think Vi was a great protagonist and I was super into her as a protagonist, caring about her was in Caitlyn's G- she <laughs> ha ha JC stop laughing <laughs> but oh, I'm like sure, I'm
1: sure you cared very <laughs> much about okay. her as a protagonist um,
2: but also yeah like if you know I'm Caitlyn I'm like yeah I like Vi <laughs> yeah
1: so no, I like Caitlyn it, it, it definitely it definitely connects in that way and that like the people who uh, support your main character yeah. are people you are inevitably going to support as well. Their relationship also is very tropey, like we talked about tropes yes. before, like like the rich person, the poor person, the cop, the criminal, oil and water, like mm-hmm. oil the whole title <laughs> of one and water. Of the episodes. <laughs> is, you know, one of the things that I think is super interesting about the whole the show as a whole. Is how jealous Jinx is of Caitlyn. Yeah. Um. It is It is something, I mean, we may or may not cut my discussion <laughs> of this concept. uh um, But...
0: I don't like where this is going.
1: <laughs> well, okay, so they purposefully made Jinx and Soko's relationship weird. It yeah. is weird. Like, they purposefully made that weird. I yes. like that. That, plus... Jinx's jealousy of Caitlyn being important to um to buy, buy yeah. is is double dosing it for me a little weirdness. Bit. Um, yeah. And so I think it's interesting to kind of examine healthy relationships versus unhealthy relationships. Um, I think one of my friends um, was talk- we were talking about Soko and Jinx's relationship and like this terrible, terrible man could have seen this tiny child hugging him and been like, okay, she will make me better. I will be better for her. Instead, he embraced becoming worse and also embraced her becoming worse in a way that was never, like, questioned. Mm -hmm. Which I think is such an interesting storytelling choice. Um, And then that, plus the dinner scene, which I think is one of my favorite scenes in the whole Mm -hmm. show, which is, you know, Jinx controlling the table and, you know, me or her, like and then killing soko like it's all it all amalgamates into those core relationships jinx and um jinx and vi jinx and caitlin vi and caitlin jinx and soko mm-hmm. it's interesting the lines that are blurred very strategically mm-hmm. and then the like and then the way that they kind of use them as parallels to me
0: yeah definitely i, I and i i mean i think that goes back to vander too
1: yeah i think for sure
0: These sort of paternal relationships you see a lot of that throughout the show and how they, the different influences clearly. I mean, that's just like a classic, you know, storytelling thing is like if your character is going to have a fall from grace, like you need to have that corrupting force, right? You got to have that one relationship that really brings them down. And so often it is um, in these sort of fantastical s- stories, a paternal figure. And I thought Silco was done really well for that reason, because yeah. you, you definitely got the feeling he cared for her. And what I thought was interesting is the ambiguity left by the end of the... Was he going to give her up? He mm. says he's not, but it really seemed like he was about to give her up. Yeah. You know, yes. He didn't know Jinx was overhearing his little monologue to ghost of Vander. So was he actually going to give her up or would he have decided, no, I can't do it. I, I don't know. Was that I a leave...
2: strategic thing he said on his deathbed to like fuck her up even more? Right. Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I like that they, they left that ambiguity. I think it adds more nuance to his character and to Jinx and to the, the story as a whole that it, really like the characters were left to interpret are, is this person genuine is what they're saying genuine and it's that much more dramatic when it's a character who we know lies a lot
1: yeah I mean it it gives us a good idea of like okay well whose point of view is this scene because really anytime it's Jinx's point of view you probably can't trust what's happening in the scene mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. what I mean like um, like the unreliable narrator of it all and mm-hmm. like I don't know necessarily if this is something that they did but it could be you know there's just giving us eyes into the scene through jinx that are not correct Mm -hmm. like i mean there's so many moments that jinx misinterprets so many things
2: because she's still i mean she's still a child she's like sincerely underdeveloped right um (laughs) socially and like like... she
1: may be 17 but she's (laughs) but she is a child but
2: going back to the whole weirdness of it all like of all the relationships it's because like Kids don't understand. Like she's like she has no idea. But like that's like a not abnormal thing. Like kids are jealous of like their parents' relationship. Like they're, kids yeah, are jealous
1: of their older siblings. Yes, relationship. yeah. They climb into their parents' laps. Right. Like, like they it's do...
2: it's yeah. such a blur. There are so many blurred lines, and
0: it's, they don't know boundaries. Right. Mm-hmm. It's
2: confusing as shit for Jenks too, and like for like as. Someone who's trying to understand, trying to wrestle with her own um, very confusing feelings of, like, anger that she can't control and all that stuff. Um, and, yeah, and her fantasy of what she wants everything to be, too. That is well done, I think. Yeah. yeah. I and if it's – I definitely think it is – I agree with you that I think it's intentional how it's all navigated and very subtle Yeah, on a lot of levels. As not subtle as this show is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> with, the, with, the, with the big <laughs> motif parallel of literal explosion. Literal explosion. <laughs> Let's yes. blow it up. <laughs> yeah. All right. Are you guys interested this time in giving any social deets? <laughs> or should I just move on? Is this, wait, Socials. like follow me? Social yeah.
2: media. Oh, so I can approve you on my private account? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you can follow my Instagram. It's my name.
2: Yeah, cool. mine's my name, too. we will link it in the I, podcast description.
0: I will. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm going to go post this on my <laughs>
2: private Instagram <laughs> story.
0: <laughs> well, please remember to leave a review if you liked the episode. And if you didn't, definitely don't leave a review. Consider following me on social media and donating to Patreon. There's a Discord server that I'm getting up and running. So if this will all be linked below. Anyway, thanks for listening. I've been your host Carl Albert and this was Popcraft.